up by the enemy when you're trying to walk in the good way, trying to walk on the ancient path. In Proverbs chapter 24, and verse 16, it says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. When the world screams, give up, God whispers, get up and try again. Get up and try again. I mean, we all fall. We all stumble. We all make mistakes. We all, we, all, we all fail in different areas of our lives. But God whispers in our ears, in our hearts, get up and try again. This is not the end. Listen, you're not a failure because you fall, because you fail. It's when you don't get up. I love this quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said this, My great concern is not whether you have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. It's not whether you failed, but are you content with your failure? Are you willing to just lay there and not get back up and not keep going? Not keep moving forward. I think we all know what it's like to fail. I think each one of us knows what it's like to fall. The question is, what do we do once we fall? I think a great way to answer that question is to ask an expert, an expert, Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. He denied him three times, but in spite of it all, God gave him a new start. He gave him a new beginning, and Peter learned to fall upward. He learned to fall upward. If you have your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen as well. Turn to Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at, look at verses 56 through 62. It says this. Then seizing him, they led him, led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the roaster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he wept when he went outside and he wept bitterly. I cannot imagine what Peter must have felt like, what he must have felt like in his heart when this happened. The sense of absolute failure. I mean, he denies Christ three times. And then that look, can you imagine realizing what Jesus had said that you will disown me three times that rooster crows the, the sense of failure must have been overwhelming but failing my friend doesn't have to be a hitching post in your life it doesn't have to be a hitching post it can be a guide post so often in life when we make mistakes when we fall when we fail when we sin that event becomes a focal point of our lives. How many people do you know that, that they've, fail, they've, they've fallen, they've failed in an area of their lives, they've sinned at some point in their lives, they, they've fallen short, and that becomes their identity. You have gro- you've grown up with people like that. 
Somewhere in their past, they did something and that has become their identity. That one event, everything else in their life revolves around that one event. That is not the life we are called to live as Christians. If we've repented and we have a desire to move forward, that's what God wants for us. He does. The only son he wants us to revolve around is his. No one event in your life or any events in your life should be such that you revolve, your entire life revolves around those things. They do not become your identity. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. Your identity is found in Him and Him alone. That is so important for us to understand. See, falling down, falling gives us, I thought about it this week, a different perspective. How many times have you been somewhere a thousand times, been in your house, whatever it is, and you lay on your back, you're just laying in your backyard, or you're laying in your house, and you see things from a different perspective. You begin to see things you've never seen before. You begin to look at things like you've never looked at them before. And through that, you're motivated to, to change your direction. To, you think, you know, you, you fall down in life. And because you've fallen down, because you failed, you begin to see things from a different perspective. And that often will motivate you to change direction. That's what God wants. He wants us to change direction. He uses those things in our lives to help us change direction. Bill Gates wrote this. He said, it's fine to celebrate success, but it is, it, is, it is more important to heed the lessons of failure. I don't know about you, but I learn. I grow from my mistakes. I try to glean from those mistakes. I try to glean truths from those things. I try to look at myself when I go through that. And, and, and I ask God, show me, Lord, show me how I got to this point. Help me learn from this failure. Help me learn from this mistake. And I'm much stronger, and I know so many of you are just like me. I'm much stronger, and I'm much more determined after I've gotten up from a fall. I don't like to fall. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, I actually counted the years since I had actually fallen down when it comes to ice or something else. I, had, I kept track. I don't, like, I don't want to fall down. But when I do fall down, I feel stronger and more determined once I get back up. Boy, that's not going to happen again. I am not going to continue to do the same thing over and over and fall in the same, this, in the same situation. You become more determined once you get up from a fall. One of the greatest lessons that God has ever taught me in my entire 50 years of living is that victory doesn't always go to the person who's the most talented. It goes to the person who's the most tenacious. You know, amen. You know, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't go to always the most talented person. It goes to the most tenacious person. The person who has relentless passion. The person who won't give up. Look at all of the, look at history. Go to all the entrepreneurs and all the great leaders of the past. You look at how many failures. I mentioned Abraham Lincoln. You studied Abraham Lincoln in school. How many times did he fail? Almost at every time he was trying to be elected, he failed. I think it was every single time. Until president. Tenacious. Passionate. 
Not giving up when you're down, whether someone trips you or you fall yourself, getting back up and you're moving forward. You're not going to just let it go. You're going to try to win that race for God. You're not going to just step back and say, that's the end. And I'll tell you what, it is the most tenacious. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11 backs me up. It says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. The race doesn't always go to the swift. Probably where they got the tortoise and the hare story. Or the battle to the strong. You know why it's very difficult to conquer a nation sometimes? Because the people fighting are defending something that matters to them. And even though the other army is much stronger than they are, they're fighting for something that matters. They're fighting for their, for their lives. My father told me in World War II, as, as, as his brothers were going into, into war, as people or the people around him were going into World War II, they were fighting for their families. We look at that generation, we look at the, 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 the beaches that they had taken at that time and the losses they were taking, but the tenacity of continuing to drive forward. Why? Because it was something to fight for. It is the tenacious that succeed, not always the talented, not always the talented. We need to remember that in our own lives. If we refuse to give up, if we refuse to give up and we make sure that we're allowing God, we're trusting God to guide us, he will, he will, he will find a way. And you know this from your own experiences. God will find a way to take the lemons in your life and turn them into lemonade. That's what he does. And that's what he does best. We've all had those times. We've all made mistakes. We've all had experiences where someone else has negatively affected our lives, abuse in some way or something that's happened to us. But God, if we trust him, if we give it to him and we keep moving forward, we keep getting up from the fall, God will use that in our lives. God will move us forward. We can fall upward. That is the goal, to continually fall upward. It says in the Bible that, that he makes all things work together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his pur- purpose. Not some things, all things. Even the difficult things, even the struggles, even the things you've gone through in the past that weren't your fault. God uses those things to strengthen and benefit you to build his kingdom. He uses all things to further his cause and further your character. I have made so many mistakes, especially early on at Grace Chapel. You know, I, we started the church in 2000. I had never started really started a church before. been part of things that were church plant types of things, but never in the position of senior pastor. I made so many mistakes early on. Some of you have been here for, for 13 years and you can, you can come up and give testimony. It's the same thing with back-to-back ministries and self-sustaining enterprises. But I look at those three now and I'm amazed. I'm awed by God that he used the failures, not only of, 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 of me, but those around me. He used our failures, he used our mistakes in order to do something amazing, incredible. Because we allowed him, we trusted him and didn't give up. When other people are saying, give up, and I mean, give up, give up, give up, give up. God whispered, get up and keep moving. Don't listen to the, to the, to the peanut gallery. You listen to me 
get up and keep moving. And God has done that in such an amazing way. God is faithful. God is faithful. When we fall. Ask David. Ask David. Think about David's life. Think about the life of David and all that he went through. Listen, you're only remembered as a failure if you don't learn from your mistakes. You're only remembered as a failure if you don't remember, if you, you remember as a failure, if you, don't, if you don't learn from your mistakes. We learn from our mistakes. David is remembered as a man after God's own heart, not an adulterer. If I say to you in a different context, I said, tell me about David. One of the first things you would say is, David is a man after God's own heart. That's how he's remembered. Because David took his, his, his when he fell, when he, when he failed, when he made those mistakes, he confessed his sin and he moved on. He trusted God. He moved forward. We talked last week about walking on the ancient path. Walking in the good way. And I hope some of you were, were able to, to take that to heart and you're, and you're doing that this morning. You're walking in the right way. You're walking on the ancient path. You're walking in the good way. But as you walk that road, you're going to come up against things that will cause you to stumble and fall. But you cannot fall off the path, off the good way, and then just divert yourself in this direction. Well, I fell off. That's the end. No, that, that's it. I, I can't believe I did that. So now my life is over. That is not a biblical worldview. That's not correct. You fall, God brushes you back off, you ask for forgiveness, he puts you back on that path and off you go. That's what he wants for us. God is not looking and hoping that we fall and fail. So we can go, I told you, see now I can't use you anymore. Show me chapter and verse where it says that. If that's the case, that we wouldn't have any heroes of the Bible because they all did that. Other than Jesus Christ... When you read the Bible, these were men and women like, the, like all of us. These were not superheroes. These were men and women, much like us, put in circumstances. And honestly, their story told so that we can understand and we can, we can empathize, we can sympathize with them, we can, we can glean from them, we can grow from their experiences. That's what God wants us. When we fall, God wants to, us to grow from that experience. That's what God wants for every single one of us. See, when he chooses to forgive us, he chooses also to forget. And not only that, but he chooses to use my missteps to my advantage. And I love it. He chooses to not only forgive you, but he has the ability, which we don't have, to forgive and to forget. He chooses to forget. And not only that, he uses the missteps, the mistakes, the failures to our advantage. It's awesome. I'm sorry, it is absolutely awesome. It's awesome. Grace, we, th- we throw it around Grace Chapel. We called it Grace Chapel. And there's a good reason we called it Grace Chapel. Grace is amazing, okay? Grace is awesome. We don't truly understand it. If we did, we wouldn't live the lives that we're living. The kind of the condemnation and the, the guilt and all this kind of stuff that Satan puts on us that we walk around with. Because when we fall, God is saying to us, get back up and keep going. I'll help you learn from this. I'll help you grow from this. This is why I'm doing this series, Great to Good. Because in a biblical worldview, 
It's not over until it's over. And just when the enemy thinks you're down for the count, you're up again and stronger than ever. It must be real annoying when Christians truly understand grace and they're in the battle because the enemy can't deal with that. They knock you down. They criticize. They try to make you stumble. The temptations, all those things. But a believer understands that when I fall, I confess my sin the Holy Spirit convicts me. This is important. I've said this before, but maybe you, you weren't here long enough to hear it. When you fall, Satan wants to condemn you. You this and you that. Can't believe. When you fall as a Christian, the Holy Spirit convicts you, never condemns you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. Once you're convicted, you get up and you say, Lord God, I'm really sorry for doing that. I don't care if you've done it 50 times. You ask for forgiveness and you move on. That's what God wants you to do. It is very difficult to fight someone who continually does the right thing when it comes to grace, understands grace. You see, Jesus turned the world upside down. Can you imagine fighting Jesus in a battle, which is what's happening? Because he turns everything around. He turns everything around. He is so unorthodox. You know, you think about it, almost every battle in the Bible is completely unorthodox. And Jesus is the king of unorthodox. He says things like, when I am weak, then I am strong. The last shall be first. Love your enemy. Do good to those who harm you. And on and on and on. With that kind of battle strategy, how does the enemy even keep up? Think about it. What, 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 we, what the world considers failure, God turns right around and uses as a strength. So you failed, but now you get back up. God used as a strength and you're stronger than you were before. It's only a failure if you're not learning from it, if you're not growing from it. Otherwise, God just uses it as an arsenal for you in your life. It's awesome. I'm sorry. It's absolutely awesome. Jesus turns the world completely upside down. God uses my strengths as well as my weaknesses to build his kingdom and my character. It's amazing. It's amazing. Everything I do can be used to build my character. Now, other people might not see it that way sometimes. They don't want to forgive you. They're mad about it. They want to hold on to those things. But you have to understand that's not reflecting how God thinks. God will use anything you've done. It's not right. He didn't do it. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't tempt you and cause you to do it. You chose to do that. But that's not the end of your life at that point. God then takes that failure, that fall, that sin, that mistake, and uses it to further his kingdom if you learn from it and to build your character. It is absolutely amazing. Let me give you another example of what I'm talking about. Put your thinking caps on here, all right? Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed that when you fall, it's often centered around your greatest strength. Think about it. Have you noticed when you fall or when you fail, it's often centered around your greatest strength. You remember the saying, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. We've all heard that before. It's absolutely true. It's true in my life, and it's mostly true in everyone else's life here. Your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness. Peter's greatest strength okay, was his passion and his courage. That was his greatest strength. Keep that in mind. His greatest strength was his passion and his courage. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus? They came to arrest Jesus, right? And what does Peter do? His passion and his courage take over. And he grabs a sword 
And he takes a sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the men who came to arrest Jesus. It was a servant of the high priest. So you have the guards coming in and, and Peter, you know, oh, you know, and Jesus is like, oh, goodness, Peter. He grabs the guy's ear, kind of sticks it back on there, says, listen, sorry. He gets excited sometimes, cuts people's ears off, you know. You can imagine the guy with they got his ear cut off. He's like, where's my ear? Where's my ear? I can't hear. Oh, whoa, wait, wait a second. I got better hearing than I did before. I'd be following. I'd be a follower of Jesus right there as soon as my ear got put back on. I don't know. I'm sure that's what happened. To the guy. I don't have. I have no idea. But it's just you know, just Jeff Greer's thoughts. I, I don't know how my ear gets put back on if I'm thinking, well, that guy's a liar. He must not be the Son of God. But that's what Peter does. He cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, oh, Peter, I love you, buddy. But you know, stop cutting people's ear off. I have better things to do than fix his ear. And, and then, then, uh, how many sermons have you heard about Peter? When he was attempting to to walk on water, right? People pick on Peter because uh, because he took his eyes off of Jesus when he was attempting to walk on water. And so we criticize Peter because of his lack of faith. But I'm thinking at least Peter got out of the boat. okay? Passion and courage. Peter was the guy who was like, hey, water, cool. You know what I mean? At least he stepped out. He got out of the boat. Passion and courage. Now, I want you to keep Peter in mind. And I want to read you again. Verse 56. Keep this in mind. Okay. Peter, this courageous guy, a a servant girl. I'll do it as night. You know, it's like a little girl, servant girl saw him seated there in the fireplace, in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. Peter, this big, strong, courageous fisherman who pulls out his sword ready to take on an army, cowers before a little servant girl. He falls in his greatest area of strength. You think, well, that's a good example. Give me another one. Okay, Abraham. Abraham is called the father of faith. He's the father of faith, right? That's, what, that's, that's his title, basically. The father of faith. Yet when Abraham was going from Canaan to Egypt, he lied about Sarah being his wife. Not only that, he does it twice. He lies about Sarah being his wife. Why would Abraham lie about that? Because Abraham, was in this situation, had a lack of faith that God was going to protect him in his circumstances. It was a lack of faith. He had a lack of belief and faith that God would protect them in his circumstances. So he took it upon himself and lied about Sarah being his wife. He failed in his greatest area of strength. Moses. Moses. We all think Moses is awesome. Moses is amazing. And he is amazing. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3 says that Moses was the meekest man on earth. He was the meekest man on earth. Meek means strength under control. Strength, not weakness. Meek, think, oh, he's meek. Meek is strength under control. So he had strength under control, right? And it says he was the meekest man on the earth. But now think about Moses. Moses lost control of his emotions and killed an Egyptian. He failed in his greatest area of strength. Think about that. These Moses, Abraham, right? Peter, think about that. Peter, with all that, the tenacity, cowers 
before a servant girl. He falls in his greatest area of strength. These men did not fall in their weakness. They fell in their strength. We need to take note of that. Why is that? Why is that happening? Why do we seem to fall in our area of strength? I think it's because most people have a tendency. They have this. They have. It's just like a tendency to let their guard down in their area of strength. We have a tendency to do that. I do. We all do. We all do. We all know, we all recognize our weaknesses for the most part, unless you're just not with it, okay? If you sat me down in a room and said, Jeff, tell me your weaknesses. I could tell you my weaknesses. We're all aware of our weaknesses and how those weaknesses can negatively affect our lives and the people around us. So we're on guard when it comes to our weaknesses. But when it comes to our strengths, we are confident in our strengths. So we don't think through our actions. We don't think all the way through our actions because there are strengths. We think, man, I've done this a hundred times. You know, I've done this a hundred times. This is right in my wheelhouse. Man, I could do this in my sleep. This is an area of weakness for me. Down goes the guard and in comes the enemy. Right? Down goes your guard because you're confident in your strengths. Oh my gosh, I got this one. And unguarded strength quickly becomes a limiting weakness. An unguarded strength quickly becomes a limiting weakness in our lives. Paul knew the winning formula. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because I am not depending on myself. I am, ten- I am depending totally and completely on God. I have total dependence on God. When I am weak, then I am strong because I'm drawing from his power, not my own. Paul understood that. He had that. He understood that clearly. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18 warns us, Pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. Keep up your guard. Keep your guard up. Don't let your greatest strengths become your weaknesses. Some of you are really strong-willed. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. You don't get led around by other people. They don't, t- you know, if everybody else is jumping off the cliff, you're not jumping. You're strong-willed. You don't care what they think. You make sure that strength it doesn't become a weakness because it can. If you lower your guard, Satan will use that strength against you and it will become a weakness in your life and not a strength. There is a difference. There's a big difference between saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and saying, I can do all things. Look at me. I can do all things. I'm good. I'm talented. I'm really talented. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. I, you know, I, I, lo- I, I you know, I, I'm a, I'm, I, I follow Jesus. Yeah, but I don't. Gosh, I don't need to pray and really ask him for a lot because have you seen me lately? Holy mackerel. <laughs> you know, I, you guys pray for whatever, but I, I, I got this. I'm okay. Let me try to explain how the enemy traps us in this. This is really important. And if you are over five, you probably have been through this already. Before we fall, Satan comes in and he tempts us. Before we fall. And he says things like, go ahead. Go ahead. 
come on, go ahead. You're disciplined in this area. That's one of your strengths. I, I, that's what I appreciate about, about you. I appreciate the strength of your discipline. You're so disciplined. You're not going to fall. You're not going to stumble. And you're not going to cheat on anybody. You're not going to, this is not, you can hang out with anywhere you want to. Don't worry about putting yourself in different environments and different circumstances because this is a strength of yours. And you know what else? Uh, no one's watching anyway. No one's going to know. No one's going to know. And you're not going to get caught, even if they do know. And even, you're not going to get caught. And all, the, all of that, and add to this, that it only affects you. It's just affecting you. It doesn't affect anyone else. What, what, if you do this anyway, it, it won't affect anyone else. It just affects you. So you're not, hurt, you're not actually hurting anyone. So don't, don't. You've got the discipline. You've got, you, this is not an area of weakness for you. You go right ahead and do it. And then you lower your guard. And you fall. And you fail. And then all of a sudden, for some strange reason, his tune begins to change. He says, you, I cannot believe, you will never get away with it. You've done this and now you'll, you're not getting away with this. Some, at some point, someone's going to find, you blew it. You compl- I cannot believe that you, you call yourself a Christian? You hypocrite, you. You better just resign your, your position at the church. I'm telling you right now, when it comes to Sunday school, why would any kid want to listen to you after what you've done? Why, how can you teach your small group? I can't believe oh, you, you act like this. And then you, you behave this way. You are a complete loser. That's, that's what he, first it's, ah, man, don't worry. Little Tim, ah, you're strong. And then as soon as you fall, it's bang, 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 condemnation, condemnation. Because he has a plan here. And the plan isn't just to get you to fall. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not just to get you to stumble and fall. It's to get you down and for you to stay down. Therein lies the problem. I am going to fall for the rest of my life. And so are you. The difference is, when I fall, I'm getting back up. I'm not going to stay down. The grace of God covers me. I'm telling you, some of you come down off the cross. You don't belong there. You act like you're, you're, God will never, or you, you're this. I'm telling you right now, that is the, what I'm explaining to you is the truth. When you go down, get back up because that's what God wants you to do. While the world is whispering, stay down. Just, you know, you have lost it. It's over. God is whispering, get up and start again. Get up and try again. Listen, this is why this sermon is called Falling Upward. Because every single one of us is going to fall. The question is, are we going to fall upward? I want you all to fall smart. You're thinking now, falling upward, I kind of get that, but falling smart, what does that mean? Well, here's here's what it means to fall smart. There's a right way and a wrong way to handle it when you fall. A way that lets me and you learn, learn from our mistakes, learn and correct our course. We learn from the fall, we learn from the failure, and then we correct our course. We, put our, we get back on the good way. We get back on the ancient way. We correct our, our course. That is a smart way to fall. There is a right way and a wrong way to fall. You fall the smart way. If I fall smart, I not only survive the fall, but I end up stronger than when I started. That's what God wants. That's, look, at, read your Bible. 
they fall and they get up and they're stronger than they were before. Last week at Taekwondo, Master K. Kim was teaching me how to fall. I don't understand why, because I'm never going down. I'm not going, you know what I'm saying? I'm the scariest yelling green stripe you've ever seen in your life. But he, he decided, you know, I got to teach this guy how to fall. It's shocking to me, but he did. In martial arts, anyone who, who's a black belt will tell you, if you, you have to fall the right way. If you don't fall right, if you don't fall smart, you're going to get hurt. So when you're falling, you have to be planning in your mind your next move. And when you're falling, the first thing you need to do is to protect your head and your arms. Because when you're going down, there's a certain way you tuck your head and your hand falls and you protect your ribs. What you're doing is you're limiting your vulnerability. So when you're falling, you're falling smart and you're saying, I need to limit my vulnerability once I hit the ground. But more than that, you need to plan to get up as quickly as possible and get back in the battle. You don't fall down, lay there and let someone kick you or give you a pile drive or something. You get back up as soon as you can and you get back into the battle and that's exactly what what God is saying to us. You fell. Stop whining. Get back up and get back into the battle. He's not up there going, you are such a loser. I cannot believe you fell again. I'm never going to use you. Oh. That's, a, <laughs> that's not what's happening. That's what you're hearing sometimes, but that's not coming from God. Condemnation never comes from God. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to fall upwards. We need to fall smart. In life, there's a right way to fall and there is a wrong way to fall. To be successful, you need to learn to fall the right way. You need, to, you need to focus on that right now and say, I need to fall the right way. We talked about this. What is the right way? The right way is, therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. When I fall, I confess my sin. And what does it say when you confess your sin? I confess my sin. He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Correct? That's, that's what he says. That's the truth. That's falling smart. That's falling upward. That's what God wants us to do. Now, there are times in our lives where we, when we fall, I want to be fair here, when we fall, it's not our fault. There are situations where other people's choices cause you to fall. Think about Joseph, okay? Joseph is, it didn't, it wasn't his brothers caused him to fall into a cistern. But listen, he fell up into Potiphar's house. So he fell into the cistern, if you will, fell, using my terminology this morning. He fell into the cistern, but he fell upward into Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife, not Joseph, he didn't do anything wrong. Potiphar's wife caused him to fall into prison. But he fell upward into Pharaoh's service, second in command of Egypt. Not only that, when he was in prison, he fell upward again and he was basically in charge of the place. So every time someone caused him to fall, he fell smart, he fell upward and landed in a different position. That's what happens and that's what we need to do. You're going to have people in your life, and I say this with all love in my heart, People are going to trip you up on purpose. They're going to harm you on purpose. They're going to cause you to fall on purpose. You can, and I'm not saying this, don't take this like I'm picking on, but you can whine about it for the rest of your life. You can scooch and moan about it for the rest of your life. Or you can say, you know what? I am not going to, 
I am not going to allow someone else's choices, someone else's evil behavior cause me to miss out on all that God has for me. I'm going to fall upward. I'm going to fall in the way that God wants me to, which is to get back up and get back into the battle. That's what God wants for our lives. That's what Joseph did. That's exactly what it did. This is so important. We need to remember that even when we fall, God is still sovereign. Sovereign means in control. It's exactly what it means. In control. God is in control. God was in control of Joseph's life. I remember a few weeks ago, as we were going through the series, I talked about we need to get below the surface. That's why I'm trying to bring this, you know, falling in your greatest area of strength. I'm trying to come up with ways to share these things with you in a way you've maybe never heard before so that it sinks in and you're listening, you're holding on to it. But we said, let's get below the surface. Let's dig down to expose the truth. So in that vein, let's look at Luke chapter 22, verse 60 again. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Now get this, okay? Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Do you think that was luck? Do you honestly think that was luck or coincidence? I don't know about you, but if you ever lived on a farm or been on a farm or been around a farm or lived next to a farm, the roosters do not crow at sunrise, do they? Those stinking things crow all the time, right? They crow all night. You're in Mexico. How many people were in Mexico this week? How many people heard roosters crowing all the time? I was like, someone get a rifle. Let's get rid of the roosters. I can't sleep. You know, heart of the outdoors. Let's go to Mexico. Clear out the area. If you have roosters, you have noise, okay? That's the way it is. I want you to keep that in mind. So if you have roosters, and it's an ancient world, okay? So it's not like there were roosters walking around, chickens walking around everywhere. So these roosters are everywhere, The rooster crowing is a reminder of God's sovereignty. This rooster crowing is a reminder of God's sovereignty. He controlled everything. He controlled every rooster with an earshot of Peter until Peter denied Christ three times. And then on cue, God says, now the rooster crows. So every, crow, every rooster with an earshot of that whole situation is silenced until Peter denies Christ for the third time. And it wasn't just at sunset. They crawl all the time. And bam, on cue, he crows. And God is doing something special here. In verse 61, Peter is at the low point of his entire life. But even in his failure, God sends a message. Peter, I am in control. I control all the, all the roosters. I control that rooster's life. I had a plan for that one rooster's life. Shut everyone else up. Had that rooster crow. Listen, buddy, I have a phenomenal plan for your life. I know you've fallen. I know how you feel. You feel horrible about it, but I'm not anywhere near finished with you yet. It doesn't matter what you've done here this morning in your life. God is not finished with you yet. He has an incredible plan for your life. We need to learn to fall Upward, We need to learn to fall smart. And when we remember that, even when we're in despair, even when we're feeling like we're out of control, God is sovereign. God is in control. You may be out of control, but he is never out of control. You may have failed miserably. You may have totally blown it. I don't know when, last night, a week ago, Five years ago, you may have totally blown it, but God is saying to you, I am not even nearly finished with you yet. 
I have not even begun to use you. I am in control. I will use your strengths and I will use your weaknesses if you let me. If you learn from me, I will use all of them to make you into the person that I've created you to be. It doesn't matter what path you're on. It doesn't matter how you diverted the path. Ultimately, you cannot thwart the will of God. You need to allow God to use you even in your weaknesses, even in your strength. Here's the reality. God, when we fall, God empathizes. I use the word empathize and not just sympathize because of what Jesus experienced while he was here on this earth. He understood what Peter was feeling inside. He understood it. Even though he had never fallen himself, he understood the temptation. He understood the feeling of being tempted. He understood the feeling of... He understood those things so he could empathize with Peter. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 61. It says this, Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. The moment Peter denied Christ for the third time, Jesus turns, their eyes meet. And here's the cool thing. It was not a look of anger. Like, you loser, I can't believe you stiffed me three times. You backstabbing, no good, I spent all these years with you. That wasn't the look at all. It wasn't a look of anger, it was a look of love. It was not a look of anger, it was a look of love. You need to understand a very, very important truth. If if you've been zoning out, please zone back in for this. God doesn't want to change us so that he can love us. God loves us. That's why he wants to change us. Not one good parent in this room teaches, disciplines, trains their children, hoping that one day they will become worthy of your love. That's not why you do it. You love them. You intensely love them, so you discipline and you, and you train and you teach because you love You're not expecting them one day to rise up and become worthy of your incredible love. It's that you love them that much. God loves me. God loves me just the way I am. Loves Jeff Greer just the way I am. But he loves me so much that he will not leave me just the way I am. I am am loved by God just the way I am right here this morning on this date in June. He loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to leave me just the way I am. And I love that about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about walking the ancient path. We talked about asking God to help us to walk in the good way. And I hope that this week you were able to make that decision. Some of you were able to make the decision to get on that path, to start walking in the good way, to start walking the ancient way. If you missed last week, please get the CD. I want you to keep up. This summer is going to be extremely dynamic when it comes to changing our lives. So please get last week or the week before if you've missed it to keep up with this series. This morning, I want to encourage you, while you're walking in the ancient path, while you're walking in the good way, You will, let me just say this, you will stumble and you will fall. But please do not listen to the lies of the enemy. Remember, remember Peter. Remember David. Remember Moses. Remember Abraham. Remember Joseph. Remember to walk in the good way. Remember to walk on the ancient paths. And when you fall, because you will 
follow their example. Follow their example. Fall smart. Fall upward. Fall upward. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for even dads here this morning. I pray, dear God, that you would strengthen each one of them, that they would get on the path of the good way, the ancient way, that they would lead their families, even if they've fallen before, even if they have not always lived that way. Lord God, I pray that this morning they would realize that their life is just beginning, that you're just getting started because of you and because of their relationship with you. I pray, dear God, that you would use the men in this church, that you would use the women in this church, that you would use the teens in this church, the preteens, the children. Lord God, each one of us, that you would help us to see the grace of God that helps us overcome all of our struggles and all of our failures and all the times when we fall short. That you will use all of those things to build your kingdom and our character. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week. And remember, dads, to pick up your plant. We have uh, peppers, pepper plants for dads. So on the way out, make sure you get your, your pepper plant.